Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO and I have a confession to make. I am obsessed with ChatGPT and all things AI. I actually was somebody who thought that the zombie apocalypse would come well before the robot apocalypse, but I'm clearly not going to be correct in that because AI is just exploding by leaps and bounds. And probably by the time this episode comes out, we will be fully uh, beneath our robot overlords. But um, if we happen to still have some free will, um, hopefully you will enjoy this episode where we're going to be talking about how you can leverage AI for your marketing efforts, um, specifically and, and mostly focused on ChatGPT. But of course, you know, we have to get on some tangents. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at at JamieHuntIMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C for more opportunities to connect. I'm so happy to be here with Mallory Wilsey, who is the Vice President of Marketing and Demand Gen for Element 451. Hi, Mallory. How are you? Hi, Jamie. I'm doing great. How are you? I am great. And I'm super excited to be here to talk about AI and how marketers in higher education can use it. So before we get started talking, can you tell us a little bit about your higher ed journey? Uh, I've been in the industry for over 15 years. Uh, started working for my alma mater and was very lucky, right time, right place. Had the opportunity to help the institution and in some ways um, higher education kind of figure social media out. I was one of the first people to start a digital ambassador program with students and actually pay them for doing online activities. And uh, it was really quite um, exciting at the time. Uh, I was fortunate to have a lot of trust on campus in order to do something like that. Um, but as I went through that process, I realized I really loved the marketing side of higher ed. And so when the opportunity came to uh, work for M. Stoner, I absolutely jumped on it. Uh, this was a digital agency recently acquired by Carnegie, but I had the real pleasure of working alongside Michael Stoner for almost 10 years. Um, and when I left the company, I had uh, unified both marketing and business development under one department, as well as managed um, as pr executive producer, Higher Ed Live, which was uh, up until just a couple years ago, uh, a really critical free professional development platform for marketers, uh, enrollment professionals, advancement professionals, and, and more. 
when the pandemic hit, uh, I shifted to ed tech and with that came the opportunity to head a customer success team, oversee operations. Um, but honestly, I, I missed marketing again. This is the common thread. I just love marketing so much. So when the opportunity came to join the Element team as VP of marketing, I absolutely jumped on it. And it feels like in a lot of ways, like I'm, I'm home in the place that I love, uh, but still in ed tech and in that startup fast paced environment, it's really kind of the best of all worlds. That's awesome. And Michael Stoner is sort of a legend in higher ed marketing. I feel like there's probably, you know, not many people better to learn higher ed marketing from than him. It's so true. I, and especially those early years was like, wait, you're paying me right now. Like, shouldn't <laughs> I just be like, I get to sit next to you and learn from you all day. Um, he's been an incredible mentor, uh, throughout my career. And I feel, you know, just really fortunate to have had so much time to soak in, um, everything that he embodies as well as, you know, just the wealth of knowledge, um, that he brought to this industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I was remember when Higher Ed Live kind of announced that it wasn't going to be anymore. And it was so sad to me to see that that platform go away for those of us who work in, in those fields. It was such a great resource. But um, now here we have you on Confessions of Higher Ed CMO, which hopefully is filling a little bit of that gap. Um, so we're here to talk about AI and ChatGPT in particular, and I don't want to make any assumptions that our listeners understand or know exactly what ChatGPT is. So mm -hmm. for those who don't know, what is it and why should we as marketers care about it? So I'll say disclaimer, right? I, I am not an expert by any means when it comes to artificial intelligence, but I have been a user now of ChatGPT for many months and have been a huge proponent for not just our company utilizing this tool, but for the industry to start to really embrace it. Um, so ChatGPT, it's, it's an AI-powered language model, and it uses deep learning algorithms to generate these very human-like responses to inputs that are more natural than the types of things that we might uh, put into a Google search. So these models have been trained on just vast amounts of data, right? So ChatGPT, it's, it's up to about 2021, and it's basically everything on the internet. So these huge amounts of text data, and, and as you input some very natural uh, uh, you know, phrases and requests, it can generate things that are coherent and contextual and in response to what you've asked. So the company that developed it is OpenAI, um, and they have just recently, uh, with, you know, within this month, released ChatGPT4, so they're continuing to evolve this tool. Uh, just yesterday, Google announced BARD, and so you can join the waitlist, right? That's kind of Google's version of this AI-powered language mod model. Um, but, uh, you know, there's so many benefits to it. I know we're going to get into all of those, but in short, it can answer questions, it can generate content, and it can summarize and analyze information. I have been playing around with it for probably a month, a month and a half, and um, it is actually kind of amazing what it can generate. And 
at the same time, it's a little bit scary. Um, and some, I, I asked it to generate a bio for me and the bio it generated had me working at the wrong place, mm -hmm. um, attending the wrong university, yeah. uh, you know, a whole bunch of, of errors in the information. But, you know, if you're asking it, in my experience, if you're asking it to do things that are a little bit more less individualized to a person, mm -hmm. I feel like the results are, are significantly, significantly stronger. Um, are there ways that, that you see ChatGPT saving time for people or, or helping marketers with creating content? Like what are some uses that you see higher ed marketers um, could use something like ChatGPT? Sure. So in my career from my time as executive producer, higher ed live to my years at M Stoner, where on a weekly basis, I was probably talking to anywhere from 10 to 20 marketing and enrollment leaders uh, on the phone before, before Zoom became so prevalent. Um, I've just, I've talked to a lot of people over the last 15 years, and there is a common thread through every single one of those conversations, whether they were looking to uh, learn and adopt social media, uh, responsive web design, influencer marketing, now artificial intelligence, it's always the same thing. It is the goal of building a more effective team, impacting productivity, improving process, reducing manual labor, and at the end of the day, making a team of three feel like a team of 10. And every single one of these technology shifts, right, that becomes the expectation from the marketing leader. How can I use this to make my team and me more productive? And I think that is where I've personally started to already uh, reap the benefits of using ChatGPT. So I agree, right? I, I too had it write a bio for me. Um, it was totally erroneous, <laughs> this completely inaccurate, but um, this, the saying is garbage in, garbage out, and it's about the, the prompt, the quality of the prompt. So if I just go to chat GPT and say, write a, a bio about Mallory, we'll see. That's not a great prompt. I'm not really giving it much context. Uh, my name hasn't been Mallory Wilsey my whole life. And um, all of, especially ChatGPT, it's only pulling data up till 2021 that's available on the internet. So um, it, now, however, if I go and say, write a bio about Mallory Wilsey, who attended these institutions and has these areas of expertise, and this bio uh, is going to be used for this purpose, it's going to spit out something, right? Because I've given it more context. It's, it is just going to uh, produce something that is at a higher quality. So really, when we think about um, getting the most out of this tool, it, it's about putting the most into it to get the most out. Coming back to, though, the idea of uh, this tool saving time, I think there's kind of two key areas that, that we can probably dive into. The first is content creation, right? It can help marketers generate content ideas, write product descriptions. Um, it can create Twitter threads for you with emojis, right? There's a lot of time and effort that can be saved in, in ideation as well as uh, content variation. 
Um, the other side is customer service. And so you can use tools like ChatGPT to um, build and power chatbots. And, uh, you know, and therefore, it can analyze a lot of text and answer common questions or, or handle a variety of inquiries um, that can take a lot of workload off of humans. I am such an advocate for AI for customer service. Um, when I was at Winston-Salem State, and I, I'm giving full credit to Joel Lee, who was the AVP of Enrollment Management when I was there, he um, got an AI chatbot, um, and we you know, had it doing campaigns, both push and pull. So um, we could push out messages with you know, text message to our prospective students or our current students, but we also had it as a chat bot where people could ask questions. Mm -hmm. And we saw some really tremendous results when we rolled it out in the first year. We saw 30% fewer inbound phone calls, which is a perfectly legitimate metric, right? Because it takes resources to staff those phone calls. Um, we had an 8% increase in freshman yield, a 74% increase in bills paid on time, and an overall 2% increase in student enrollment. And um, a lot of that we could attribute right to using AI to be able to answer students' questions when they had them, because they didn't always have questions between eight and five. Um, mm -hmm. The way they wanted to ask the questions, sometimes they were um, a little bit reticent to show their quote unquote ignorance about the college process. And so being able to ask a robot, you know, basically the questions, you didn't have to out yourself as not knowing the answer to them. Um, and uh, what always amuses me is that the number one thing said to the chatbot was thank you. Like it was, oh, it was so sweet when it produced so like a little word cloud of like everything that, that students were asking. It was like, you know, tuition and parking and blah, blah, blah. But then there was, thank you was the biggest, um, the biggest word. And I just think that's so sweet that, that they're, they're thanking their, their little, um, AI powered robot for, for answering their questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are great metrics, Jamie. I so I have to ask you, um, in using that chatbot, did you have to uh, really craft a lot of the answers um, and you know kind of build that out considerably in the back end? So it did. Um, it did a crawl of our website and spit out what it believed the answers would be to certain mm -hmm. questions, and then we had to kind of go through and make sure that those were accurate. Mm -hmm. um, and then the thing that was kind of nice is that it would, if it hit, got a question or hit a point where a student was like, no, this isn't answering my question, um, it would escalate that then up to an admission counselor who could then reach out yeah. and, and answer that question directly. Um, so there was a lot of front end work, but it didn't actually take that long to do, which I'm probably, Kathy Hoots, who was one of the people who worked on that is probably like, Oh my God, Jamie, it took so much work, but you know, it, it was worth it though. I mean, a 36% sure. decrease in yeah, inbound absolutely. calls is huge. Yeah. So here's where chat GPT changes this game too, because once, uh, chatbots built on open AI become more prevalent, um, it is, it significantly decreases that upfront time. Um, you literally just give it the URLs 
and it will read, understand, and be able to contextualize the content just by you know the person on um, the back end just literally pasting URLs into the chatbot. So right, all of this technology is evolving so rapidly, <laughs> um, and it's just you know it just. It's gone from here to here, thanks to the free use of ChatGPT. Hey all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Involify podcast possible. MindPower is a full-service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle-moving, thought-provoking, research-fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman-founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C.com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. So that evolution has been kind of bonkers. Like I feel like, you know, around the holidays, we had the that AI Lensa thing where it was producing um, like and avatars basically of mm-hmm. users to the point where now I'm seeing people doing submitting like headshots of themselves and it's generating headshots that are like look like real actual photographs of the person and that's been a couple of months and I feel like we're on our way to robot overlords like that's, that's genuinely what I feel like right now and and I'm curious though, because we want to use our robot overlords for um, good and not evil. Um, what would you recommend marketers think about using um, ChatGPT for? Yeah, I think there's endless possibilities here, uh, but let's talk about a few that can have a really immediate impact. I think first and foremost, um, brainstorming and ideation. I can't remember now a time when I didn't have Jet Chat GPT to help me brainstorm and ideate. I can feed it ideas, ask it to, you know, think think about them, uh, give me variations on things. Uh, I have used this tool to help develop outlines for blog posts, um, as well as. Uh, Think, help me think through job descriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've recently been hiring quite a few, and I would typically have spent, you know, hours doing research on LinkedIn or uh, you know other other tools, pulling recent job descriptions with similar titles, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, analyzing those qualifications and and making sure that the alignment of skill sets is, is with the, the level of the role I'm looking for, as well as the things that I would expect that person to do. And within 10 minutes, right? Like I probably took an entire day's worth of work and was able to uh, feed ChatGPT some, some really good prompts and 
it came, it gave me just incredible information that I was able to then go and ideate on, modify and, and develop into, uh, you know, some really great job descriptions. Um, so that has been just tremendous, right? This, this brainstorming ideation, uh, serving as like, uh, something to bounce ideas off of essentially. Um, but from there, uh, just as, as we have to create so much content to support marketing, communications, whether it's for admissions, uh, student success, alumni and advancement communications, right? No matter what, I think, no matter what unit you work in, in higher education, content creation, there, it's never like, you never need less of it. You always need more. Um, so if you have a blog post written, but you're really stumped on a punchy, attention-grabbing title or something, maybe you want a funny version, you can feed that entire blog post into the tool and say, write 10 headlines that are attention-grabbing, uh, you know, designed for this or you know, will resonate with this certain persona. Um, and then if you don't like what you get, you can ask it to rewrite it, but in a different style, right? So, so producing variations um, based off of uh, the analysis of content that you might already have, I think that is a huge uh, time saver for teams, um, especially teams who are looking to A-B test, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. every marketing leader knows we need to test more, but it can often be the thing that we don't do enough of because of lack of time. Mm -hmm. Well, here you go, right? Like you can create 10 different variations, 70 different variations of a subject line, a blog post title, et cetera, at, you know, within seconds. I love this idea of using it for job descriptions. I say as I'm preparing to hire like 16 people, um, I've used it for generating interview questions for um, positions. I've used it to, I've dumped like my whole presentation into it and said, write a 300 word description of this presentation yes. um, or write, I've dumped my my presentation descriptions in and said write me a catchy headline for it mm -hmm. um definitely have used it for outlines like what what are give me an outline for a presentation on this um or a blog post on that um i have a friend who who didn't want who wants to remain anonymous um who is using it for all of their program pages all mm. of their their majors they're having it write descriptions of what the major is based on the catalog and then write um they've used it to write scripts then for videos and they're actually using ai to then produce those videos so they have like ai voiceovers that are doing the videos there the ai is pulling together images from i don't even understand where um to produce the content for the videos and it's just like they went from thinking that it would take months and months to produce that content to, you know, with the editing process and the, the validating process, it taking about a week to produce all of that content, um, which yeah. is just absolutely mind blowing because if there's any, th any problem that higher ed marketers have, I think probably uniformly people would say it's a lack of, of people to, mm -hmm. to get the work done. And this to me, and, and when I've talked to this friend of mine about this, we see it as being kind of like the internet, like it in terms of its disruption um, and bringing you a tool that will allow you to do your job in a different way that will be more effective and efficient. Yeah.
the internet is a perfect comparison. I mean, this is a once in a generation technology shift and it is uh, the, the best thing to compare it to is, is the rise of the internet. And I think that's, you know, like if, uh, I certainly was too young to be in the professional world to, to be able to speak to the disruption that, you know, someone might've felt in those moments, but I have certainly seen some of the pushback around um, using ChatGPT for things like you're describing. I, I was actually engaged in a conversation over the weekend about a very similar topic. And, uh, you know, the woe of, oh, this wasn't very good content. Uh, and, and my point was, well, um, if, if I use a hammer and I miss the nail, is it my fault or is it the hammer's fault? Mm -hmm. Right. So again, it comes into garbage in, garbage out. Like your, your friend must be incredibly skilled at the prompts that are required to produce very high quality content and enough of a subject matter expert to be able to appropriately evaluate the content that's coming out the other side and uh, aware enough to know that he or she needs to, um, you know, really analyze that content and, and look at it with a critical eye before actually publishing it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the process is benefited from that individual having been the person writing that content in the past, you know? So it's like, they know what's good content. They know what it needs to have and what will be effective. And they've, you know, done in the past, looked at the analytics and what are people, you know, done some A-B testing of that type of content. So it's definitely not something where you can just say like, just just any warm body can produce content that is usable. It, it definitely takes that level of expertise, I think. Yeah. And, you know, one thing we haven't even touched on yet is, is the use around personalization, which in higher ed, we're, we're focused on brand building. We're focused on communicating as close to one-to-one -one as possible with individuals, especially in this season, right? We're in yield season. And the more we can get to uh, delivering personalized messages, right place, right time, right modality, all of those things to that person, the more they are going to feel the relationship that they have been building with that institution, the more they'll feel that that is true. And I, I think a huge benefit to ChatGPT is, is in that creation of personalized marketing messages. You can take uh, you know, uh, you can speak to Annie, you can speak to Eric, you can speak to Mallory and Jamie on, on more of a one-to-one -one level based off of our preferences, interests, behaviors. Um, and, you know, you shared incredible stats from your chat bot earlier, but those are the kinds of, um, you know, those are great examples of the benefits that can be reaped when we improve that engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And I hope so this, this friend of mine that wants to remain anonymous, they've been getting some pushback from their leadership about, you know, using AI to inform their work and to write the content. And I just think about when I started my career, I'm mumbling indistinctly how many years ago um, the, I worked, I started out as a newspaper um I was a journalist at a newspaper and they thought the internet was a fad. And so we were getting our press releases faxed to us on honestly a fax machine that had the rolls. I don't know. You, you might be too young to even remember. Like it was like these thermal rolls. And so 
when you'd get in in the morning, everything that was faxed overnight would be like, you'd have to cut the pages up and all of that. But like, we would be asked by like PR agencies or the, the PR people at, at different, um, you know, the schools or the governments that we covered, like, what's your email address? And we didn't have email. We didn't have um, any of those tools. And it made our jobs so much harder than they needed to be. And, and honestly, like the papers that didn't embrace the internet, which is most of them, really, really struggled in the long term. It took them a long time to sort of catch up. AI is here. We can't be sitting here with our heads in the sand thinking that, um, you know, we're too whatever lofty to use AI to make our jobs easier. That would be like, you know what, we're just not going to use email anymore for our jobs. We're just going to, we'll have to just do it by phone calls and memos that we type up and print out and drop in inner office mail. That sounds, that's just as ridiculous, I think, as it is to say we're not going to use AI. But what do you think about that? I, I agree, and I think the first step to anything is getting educated about it, and that often can take some of the scariness away from something new. I mean, change is just simply hard, no matter what that change is, whether it's a positive one or not. And so, when you know, I, I hope people listening to this podcast are feeling like this is a, a step towards getting more educated. I know Enrollify has posted um, a number of other podcasts over the course of this month on this topic. Um, there is a, it is still so early days. It really reminds me of when we, when we were doing social media back in 2008, 9, 10. Mm-hmm. Like, you just got to get out there and try it. Like, get your hands dirty. At the moment, they're, you know, we're developing the best practices. There isn't, uh, you know, a rule book to go follow quite yet. And that, and that can be hard and, and challenging um, for some people, right? For others, that is very exciting. For me, that's incredibly exciting. Um, so because there's no rule book, right, like we can, we can experiment and, and we're expected to experiment and, and that's fun. Um, but it means that you're going to see results that are usable, that aren't usable, um, and and we have to be really careful as marketers, uh, you know, because there there are things that can go wrong when when we garbage in, we garbage out, mm-hmm. right? There are things that can go wrong, and we have to be aware of that even in these early days of experimentation. But you're exactly right; it's here. It's certainly not going anywhere. If anything, the the uh, curve has now sharply pointed up, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, as as marketing leaders, we can't be left behind. Well, that kind of takes me really nicely into my next question, which is that you know these AI tools are evolving at an incredible pace. What do you predict is on the horizon? Oh. We've already talked about chatbots a little bit, but I want to come back to that topic. You know, I I think when we think about the application of artificial intelligence um, in the world, it is without a doubt going to impact everything from climate change to foreign policy. Uh, it will impact every industry from manufacturing to finance to healthcare. I can't talk about any of that, but what I can talk about is, you know, what I see as a very immediate application that will be a game changer for higher ed 
And I believe that's chatbots. Uh, the vast majority of institutions have still not adopted one. Uh, many institutions now do have live chat on their website, but it's still a human behind the tool. And so I truly think that with the shift uh, with open AI, uh, chatbots will explode in usage now, and it will be uh, impacting everything from admissions to student success, right? Retention, mm -hmm. persistence, um, and well beyond uh, as these tools get better and better. Um, it's not just the routine inquiries from prospective students anymore. Uh, I was listening to a colleague earlier talk about um, he, he, when he used to work on a campus and this season, the number one question they were constantly asked was, you know, the size of the beds in the dorm room, mm. right? Well, of course, a chatbot can very easily handle an inquiry like that, but it can also escalate conversations as necessary to staff members that, you know, when they require a, a more um, complex response and it can remember the conversations it's had with you previously. So a student who's going through, say, an entire admissions cycle who may be interacting with that same chatbot over and over again, well, it's going to remember that it's talking to Jamie Hunt. And maybe Jamie has uh, specific questions about living in Virginia and is curious about certain majors. And so it's not just learning the information to feed you, but it's actually learning you at the same time and the types of responses um, that solicit you to continue to interact with it, right? So on that point of personalization from earlier, right, chatbots will absolutely help uh, marketers and, and admission professionals achieve that. Uh, but taking it, you know, um, a step further, I think there's use for uh, chatbots in in student persistence. Mm -hmm. And um, we like at Element 451, we like to talk about early success, not just early alerts, but really identifying, right, what are those circumstances, events, and behaviors that might provide early indication that that individual has a certain need or is experiencing a certain difficulty or is at risk of not coming back the next semester. And to have a human really successfully intervene um, and engage that individual, it's, it's really hard sometimes, right? Um, and especially post-pandemic and, and uh, all the mental health challenges that have come to light um, as a result individuals might not feel comfortable walking into an office and saying, I need help, but they may be comfortable texting or uh, messaging that chatbot. And that chatbot can be smart enough to provide that person with all of the information that they need, but also smart enough to escalate at the right point. And so the student benefits because they get the guidance when they need it in whatever that communication channel is that they prefer on whatever topic it is that they need. And the smarter these chatbots get, um, it will be less about like, right, the difference of an early alert, which is reactionary to early success, which mm -hmm. is a bit more proactive. And I love this conversation because I think if you start to think about the shifting demographics and what a lot of people call the enrollment cliff, mm. the persistence, retention, and graduation rates for the students that we do bring in is becoming even more important. And, um, you know, I know I mentioned at WSSU us 
using the chat bot for prospective students, but we were also using it as we had a retention bot is what we called it for supporting those students. Um, and you know, this was six years ago, so it wasn't sophisticated at the level of what we would probably be able to do today, but being able to support students. And like I mentioned earlier, that comfort level of saying, I don't know the answer to this question, but I don't want another human being to know that I don't know the answer to this question or, um, an early cry for help or, um, you know, just getting a sense of who that student is and what their needs are really, really early. I mean, I think personally, we have a moral imperative to do everything that we can to make sure every student who enters our doors graduates, um, because Mm -hmm. otherwise they, they get debt and they get time spent without a credential. And it's, it's just unethical, I think, to, to not do everything in our power to help them persist. And if we can use AI to do that, I just don't know why we wouldn't. Yeah. And I think this is particularly challenging for community colleges. And, and not to say it's, it's not for other types of institutions, but community colleges tend to have uh, a demographic of students that are older, maybe returning back to school, having previously stopped it for a variety of reasons. Um, these students are probably at a higher likelihood to not be in the 18 to 21 age range. So they have different uh, maybe family needs or um, financial pressures. I mean, there's, there's a lot of challenge for a community college term to term to keep their students enrolled. And I think that this is where, um, you know, this technology can have just an absolute huge impact as as well-intentioned as any staff member is on a higher ed campus, there is a point at which at the end of the day, you want to go home, yeah. right? And yeah. so, um, and, and I know so many of us in the education industry work nights and weekends. And I remember in admissions, it was like the month of July. I was like, finally, you know, yeah. we could take take a vacation. Like, it's so exciting. That's a huge benefit here, right? The chatbot can be available 24/7. And so if it's, you know, if that student needs that intervention or that resource or, you know, has a question about the size of the beds in the dorm room and they're thinking about it at 10 o'clock at night while they're uh, watching The Bachelor, like, you know, your phone's not going to ring. Uh, they can go and, and ask this tool. So again, tying it back to that piece around productivity and, and making a team of three feel like a team of 10, it can have a huge impact for the people who work on the campus as well, you know, from that lens. That's a really good way to think about it. It's almost like a team of employees who are on the clock all the time and never will burn out and never will go on vacation and never will have a sick day or never will catch COVID. Um, They'll just, you know, always be there to support you. Um, The power of a thousand marketers without the headache of managing all of them. (laughs) Exactly. The best part about being a leader is supervising. Um, I say that with great sarcasm. I think one of the things that has um, led me to be successful in my career is that I've always been a pretty earlier adopter of things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the first um, websites that uh, one of the first daily news websites, you know, that was something I built. One of the first um, mobile, fully mobile websites. um, That was something I did. Um, A bus tracker, a, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, You know, I was always like, that's cool. I want to do that QR codes like way before they were cool 
then they stopped being cool. And now they're back, you know, all of that. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm like really excited about AI, but I, yeah. I envision, you know, there's going to be a point where it's like, how do you stay on top of everything? And I'm interested in your thoughts on how marketers can sort of future proof themselves mm. in, in the space of emerging technology. Wow. A, a genuine sense of curiosity is sometimes half the battle. I, I think it, it takes time and investment to learn. We were talking about the need to be educated on AI a little bit ago. Um, and I think that's part of the answer to this question. Uh, we do all work so hard throughout the day, but finding the time for our own professional development and the time to experiment, right? That genuine sense of curiosity um, and, and putting in the effort when many others won't, right? That's, that is an area where, where one can be successful. Um, But even the question of future proofing is just interesting because um, while AI has rapidly, uh, you know, expanded in usage, um, thanks to chat GPT largely, uh, it's not new, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like I know our team uh, at Element, we've been using Jasper, which is another generative AI business tool um, to help with content creation for some time. And, you know, uh, we've talked about the images that can be created through these tools. Um, I think that in the future, these things will continue to be very easy and more and more accessible and at lower and lower costs. Um, But the idea of future-proofing, it's like the future was here five years ago. <laughs> right, right. So maybe, that's, maybe that's the point, right? The, the future has been here. And so in some ways, we are actually now catching up. Like people have been talking about AI for decades. Mm-hmm. It's just because of the most recent advancements in the technology that it's become more accessible. And when it comes to future-proofing, the idea of making sure that you have really clean and organized information will help set you up as a marketer for success. So organizing your data, um, getting really good at prompt engineering, it is a skill now to learn. Uh, And those are ways to have an immediate impact, but to also ensure that over the course of the next handful of years, as as these tools are able to uh, ingest and understand more and more types of information um, in different ways, uh, ensuring that the content that you are creating and have created is clean and organized in such a way that the tool will correctly analyze it is, um, you know, one way to protect the brand that you represent and, you know, future proof. Yeah. If you're, you've talked a lot about garbage in garbage out and I feel like, you know, I've had the experience of doing a prompt and getting like almost, I mean, truly purely garbage. It's like presenting the information, um, like it's like a, a thesis almost just like, you know, very stiff and stilted and awkward. And, you know, you, it's really, there's really a knack to it. And I know that um, Element has um, a guide that I recently downloaded. Um, and tell us a little bit about how that guide came to be. How did you figure that out? How did you figure out prompts? Did you just practice or, you know, how did you get to that? 
Yeah, it, it just a lot of trial and error. Um, Artis, our CEO, has been a proponent of AI now for a couple decades. And so I think he's been eagerly awaiting the day when a tool like ChatGPT would hit um, to make this technology so much more easier to understand and use. I swear he's probably been thinking about prompt engineering for many, many years. Uh, but as, as he started playing with this tool, encouraging me and the marketing team to play with this tool, you know, we were able to kind of quickly learn uh, how to, to insert information in such a way that it became very conversational. So you can drop, you can go to one of your web pages, you know, copy an entire block or entire page of text, pop it in and ask ChatGPT to respond ready once it has, you know, analyzed and ingested. So that can be a step one, right? You don't have to do it all in that first prompt. So you give it the information and then you can say what you want from it as well as guide it with best practices. So the first time I went into ChatGPT to help me write some digital ad headlines for LinkedIn, uh, it didn't produce very good content and it's because I didn't give it very good information. It was like a two-liner. I went back, I dropped in more context about the product and then gave it best practices for LinkedIn digital ads, asked it to give me 10 variations. Okay, that got a little better, but I was actually looking for something that would be kind of funny. You know, I know the higher ed crowd, like we laugh about some nerdy things sometimes, <laughs> like we like caps and Star Wars and like Superman and like, you know, like we have fun in this industry. We're not like, you know, super buttoned up. And then on top of that, ChatGPT is pretty verbose. Yes. So I had to say to it, like, make this funnier in this style and make this shorter, right? So it's it's a lot of iterations over and over again. And if you don't like the response, you just regenerate mm -hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll give you 10 new ones, right? So a lot of trial and error went into um, developing that current prompt engineering guide. Um, and we're actually going to be uh, doing another around yield specifically um, in a couple weeks. So we'll have a session and then another guide as a result. I think we have a, a great opportunity to, to help educate the market right now because of just some genuine interest internally around all of this. And why not, right? Because somebody who who is inspired by some of these prompts um, can then go and, and maybe create their own guides. Like uh, this can be a, something that our community learns together. And that that really excites me. Like I think this is just such a pivotal moment for us and, and we, as marketing leaders um, have that maybe responsibility to help educate each other on what we're learning. It feels very much like when social media was first a thing, right? And like, how are we going to use this? And how, and people just openly sharing, this is how I'm using it. This is what I'm doing. This is how we're, you know, successful with it. These are the results we've had. This is the lessons I've learned. And we have mm -hmm. such a giving profession, which is, you know, I've mentioned it many times on this podcast that I just love how this profession is full of people who are willing to share what they've learned. 
but I, I, this feels like another, you know, pivotal moment. I know we've said that already on this, but you know, where we can really make a difference and stake a claim on this. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that, you know, listeners, I guess I would ask you to help our listeners um, a little bit on how would you, if you were facing some pushback from leadership, if leadership was saying, oh no, you can't be using AI to do your work. What would you, what talking points would you give? What would be your elevator pitch for why marketers should be using AI? Well, like chat GPT, I can be verbose. So I, it's going to be a long elevator ride to the top. <laughs> um, but I, that's a great question. And I think sometimes those fears are stemmed from uh, some of the ethical concerns that exist, right? And also from anything new is change and change is hard. I think there's been uh, enough examples out there like Microsoft's AI chatbot, Tay, um, (laughs) where, right, we've seen AI uh, go in the wrong direction and and learn the wrong things. So if I'm talking to a leader who's who's maybe more more on the hesitant side and is saying, wait and see, I would remind that person that Uh, There is so much productivity that can be gained and you can put process in place to ensure that those mishaps and mistakes don't happen on your team. Due diligence and being truthful. Those are two things that are, I think, required if you're going to use AI or chat GPT. Um, you can't just copy and paste what it spits out. You really need to spend the time to look at it, analyze it, verify if the information is correct. Uh, and in higher ed, we, you know, we talk a lot in education about making sure you're attributing your, to your source. And so if you're using ChatGPT, not pretending you're not, um, but then also you know, thinking about um, the source of the content that it's pulling from too. Uh, I just was listening to a podcast earlier where there was a great point about you can ask ChatGPT to produce something uh, in the style of. You can ask some of these image AI generators to produce something in the style of. Well, whoever that person is you're asking it to produce in the style of might not actually want, Mm -hmm. right? Especially as an artist, Mm -hmm. like might not want their work copied in that way, right? So that you have to be careful about that. The ethical concerns are real. Acknowledging them is important. Uh, Not pretending they don't exist is important, but reaping the benefits, right? P- pulling it back to real ROI, the stats you had shared earlier, the the amount of human power that, uh, that AI can lift will allow someone to focus on different activities, higher value activities, marketing strategy, brand strategy, things that these tools can't do. Um, so when, would you rather your team uh, you know, focused on writing 10 different headlines or, you know, variations of things that could literally take all day or, or the job descriptions that mm-hmm. could literally take all day to re- research, or would you rather 
me get that job description out a whole lot faster to start actually interviewing candidates and getting somebody in the role, you know, weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it, I think, I think the argument comes down to productivity and the return on the investment. I, I love the idea of using it for job descriptions and, you know, for the things that will help you to be more productive in the long run. I think about I remember Vanderbilt a, a month or so ago kind of got in hot water for writing their message about the Michigan State shooting mm. using ChatGPT. Right. To me, there's a little bit of common sense there. You know, like a, don't use a robot to write something in a moment that requires that human feel. But at the same time, I, I don't want people to think that like have a knee-jerk reaction that there's no use for ChatGPT because mm-hmm. it kind of produced this very milk toast, terrible. I'm sorry, Vanderbilt colleagues, but you know this this letter that was very obviously written. I felt like by AI, it didn't have any heart and soul to it. It was sort of vague platitudes. Um, yeah. It didn't, wasn't even really connected to the incident. It didn't address anything specific about the school. You know, so think about that. You know, don't don't use it for your for those things that really need that human connection. Yeah. Now that could have been a first draft. Right. Because there are some maybe key points in in that letter, but that was by no means a finished uh, no. product, right? And and it was missing that human intervention. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good example. Um, it's challenging and it's challenging to know, especially in the early days, where that line is mm-hmm. too. Uh, and it's going to take some crises and mistakes to help define some of those lines, unfortunately, comparing it to uh, how higher ed collectively figured out how to use social media mm-hmm. together, you know, mm-hmm. 15 years ago is a great example. Like, I had I had students that should have never been getting paid to tweet because uh, <laughs> right. some of the stuff coming out on Friday and Saturday nights wasn't probably what the administration was looking for. Right. But at the same time, all of the good on the other side, um, you know, kind of outweighed it. I often would compare that to uh, giving campus tours. Like we're so comfortable sending. 15 families to walk around the campus with an individual and and nobody's trailing them to listen to what that student is saying um like it's the same kind of principle was with that those early day digital ambassador programs right yes Um, I, I'm not going to trail what all those students are doing, but it took some mishaps to learn. And, and then that began to develop guardrails, mm-hmm. um, and, and identify best practices. And I think we're going to, over the course of the next three, six, 12 months, right. We're, we're going to start having good and bad examples that will help us start to understand how to better use these tools and what applications of them are, uh, you know, become best practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I I certainly don't want to come across as being very critical of our colleagues at Vanderbilt. I mean, I think the intentions were good and it was using a tool that they saw a lot of potential with. And, but I think that it kind of taught us all a lesson about, you know, the best way to use the tool and the best way to um, take advantage of the technology and what 
when you mentioned guardrails, I was thinking about like, you know, one of the guardrails needs to be really critically reading what it spits out and ascertaining if that is appropriate for the situation, if it is capturing the nuance. I mean, there's a big difference between saying um, a computer science major will, you know, get you this kind of job and you'll take these kinds of classes versus a real this is our institutional response to this tragedy that happened at another institution. Um, Those are just very, very different types of communications. So as we're wrapping up, you know, what takeaways would you want listeners to take from this episode? One of the key things is that this still is early days. There is still so much experimentation that's happening and there actually aren't a ton of higher ed specific resources talking about the appropriate uses of chat GPT uh, and how to integrate it into our work. Props to Enrollify, not just this podcast, but the whole series that Zach has recently done around artificial intelligence. Uh, the the all four episodes are out and they are so binge worthy um, inside higher ed's call to action blog is i know uh, starting to publish content around this as well so you know slowly but surely those resources are coming of course at element 451 we're doing everything we can to create uh, ai focused resources too um, but we are in the earliest of days where it is a matter of not being afraid of experimenting right and and not worrying or, or being defensive about um you know ai uh taking uh the creativity and, and the writing jobs um but finding the ways that it can actually enhance our creativity and our writing um, you said it so clearly this is not going anywhere. In fact, uh, this we're at the beginning of this boom. And so incorporating it incrementally into our workflows and processes, finding the ways that it can make small teams feel really mighty um, by allowing them to free up time for higher value activities and stop answering you know, the question of, of what size bed is in the dorm room. Um, there's so going to be so, so many applications and starting small is fine. Starting with just some ideation is great. Send it a blog post you've already written, a subject line you already know, and ask it some questions just to get used to the tool, right? The times now, we can't be left behind and embracing the technology uh, is, is going to be our path forward. I 100% agree. And as we're talking, I'm thinking, I want to do a little session with my team about ChatGPT and kind of maybe ideate ways that we could be working it into our workflow. Um, So so thank you for that, that sort of inspiration. Um, So Mallory, where can people find you um, if they want to chat with you a little bit more about this? Sure. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm still on Twitter. Uh, so at Mallory, we'll see on both of those platforms. Uh, please connect with me. I, I would love to continue this conversation in those social spaces. Um, or, you know, you, you can just find me uh, at 
at this desk <laughs> five days a week. Um, yeah, Mallory will see at element451.com. So I, I love um, connecting with other higher ed leaders who just want to ideate and take this conversation further. Uh, it is so interesting to learn from each other and how we're finding success with new technology. So I welcome these conversations one-on-one -on -one or one-to-many in these social spaces. So please find me. This is, this is a topic that's really close to my work, uh, but also, um, you know, I'm just like very highly interested in this. Jamie, I was telling you before we jumped on, last night we lost internet and we actually had uh, chat GPT, or actually it was, it was Google's Bard, um, write uh, a story about the night we lost internet and, you know, my husband and my dog and, and all the things we do. So I, I am finding, I had it write my friend a birthday rap once. Like, I mean, they're outside of all these professional use cases. I am finding so much joy in AI, uh, personally too. Um, so man, we could go on for hours, but <laughs> seriously, please find me. Let's talk AI. Um, and I'm so curious to hear about all the different applications that people in higher ed are, are finding for it. I love it. I think it's safe to say that Mallory and I are both ready for our robot overlords. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're all in on the robot. Overlords. Let's go. <laughs> it's so funny because about 15 years ago, one of my colleagues and I, um, he's no longer in higher ed, but I said that I thought the zombie apocalypse would be first. And he said he thought that the robot um, overlords would be first. And I think he's yep. on track to win. I think he's on track to win. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And listeners, I really would love to hear from you. If you're using AI chat GPT as part of your workflow, please share that information. We are learning from each other. This is the dawn of a new age, I think, in higher ed marketing. So please join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag higher ed CMO. As always, you can find me, Jamie Hunt, on LinkedIn, Jamie Hunt IMC on Twitter, J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C on Twitter. As always, let's go bust some silos, but I'm going to put a twist on it. Let's go bust it with some artificial intelligence. Hey all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.